Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Raw on Saturday morning at Echo Towers, um, just after deadline day. And it was a relatively busy day for Sunderland, uh, with a couple in and a couple out. Aidan McGeady kicking off the day with his loan exit to Charlton Athletic, announced at 12.30am in the morning, which was fun. Um, obviously had no no future under Phil Parkinson at Sunderland. Still got 18 months left in his deal, but he's joined Charlton until the end of the season back in the Championship, so a pretty good move for him. Um, that was then followed up with a couple of sign-ins, Declan John arriving on loan from Swansea City until the end of the season, young cover at left wing back, left back, and of course Antoine Semenyo from Bristol City, the, the forward who Phil Parkinson has been chasing for well over a month, so patience certainly paid off there. And then Mark McNulty also leaving, heading to, Hib, uh, heading to Hibs to team up again with Jack Ross, after Reading and Sonnen came to an agreement to end his loan deal at the Stadium of Light early. Uh, Phil Pattinson said he wanted five signings in this window. That's exactly what he's got in the end. Um, Sonnen looked to have strengthened in some key areas of the team. Um, Mark? I'm oh, sorry, I'm joined by Mark Donnelly. I've not even introduced you, Mark. We're so tired. I know. Um, I know. Phil Smith's heading, heading all the way down to Pompey, so uh, it's just us two today. How um, how do you assess Sonnen's January business good good deals with some experience coming in yeah I think on the face of it you, you can only look at it as a good window time will be the judge of whether it is or not but I think fans are despite last year obviously the, the kind of big money signing of Will Grigg I think fans and, and everyone associated with the clubs probably heading out of this window in a far more positive state of mind than they were this time last year as you said Phil Parkinson wanted five he's got five and I think more importantly he's got the five he wanted mm. he's not gone out and panic bought which he could have done he's had to wait for people Semenyo scouring with players that he identified at the end of December that were key targets he's had to wait until the last week of the window to bring them in but he's he's held his resolve he's wanted those players he's gone and got them he's got the players he knows will fit into his system that he thinks will help Sunderland push up the table in these last few months of the season and that's you know more important than the quantity. It's good that they've got that quantity of players in, especially with the two, three going out. But he's got the players he wants and the players that ultimately, when you look at it on the face of it, will add something to that Sunderland squad. Sunderland's obviously up for, up for sale. Uh, Stuart Donald is looking to sell the club. Um, you know, that, that sort of process is ongoing. Hopefully, there'll be updates uh, relatively soon on that. Um, Donald and Phil Parkinson have, have always said that he will... Um, ensure that the, the club sort of came out of the window stronger than when it went in and that they will be back in there. Um, fans, I guess, will question why not a lot of money's been spent only on Josh Scowan. We don't know what the exact fee for him for him was. Um, but I suppose there's a contribution in terms of wages to these players coming in, although you've got to balance that with the likes of McNulty and McGeady going out. So not a huge amount spent in January overall. Some solid business, you think? Yeah, definitely. And you can't avoid the fact that you've had one big wage head out the door in terms of Aidan McGeady. But yeah, although on the face of it, you know, there's only been one fee spent and that was on Scowan, there'll, there'll be a lot of finance involved in getting the likes of Bailey Wright on loan, getting Kyle Lafferty in, their wages, any kind of signing on fees, any payments to their parent clubs in the, in the case of the loan deals. They're not cheap deals to do, um, especially in the January window, which is really known for kind of inflated prices and things like that, especially as you get closer to, to the deadline. So although on the face of it, Sunderland haven't spent a lot of money as a kind of outright uh, statement signing or anything like that as, as they did last year, they've put a considerable amount of finance into this window and they really, really have backed Phil Parkinson. You know, as, as you said, that was what Stuart Donald had promised. 
Uh, it's what Phil Parkinson was confident of and maybe took a little bit of time to get to the point where fans were certain that was what was going to happen. But I think leaving the window, you can see that the owner has backed Phil Parkinson. So heading into the final day of the window, uh, Sunderland had signed Kyle Lafferty, Josh Gowen and Bailey Wright, who obviously made his debut in the 1-0 win over Tranmere on Wednesday night, which was a good a good win. Not so much a great performance, but the pitch was obviously shocking and I think most fans would settle for another clean sheet and a 1-0 away victory ahead of today's game against Portsmouth. We're recording this on Saturday morning. Um, so just in terms of the two deals done on deadline day, then Declan John coming in, obviously that was a priority area when Lawrence de Bock went back on the 1st of, February, uh, 1st of January, wasn't it? It was the first day of the month, the yeah, Fleetwood game. Yeah, straight away, didn't he? Seems like a lifetime ago. Um, Sonnen obviously heavily reliant on Denver Hume in that position. He's been excellent and he will remain first choice. So it's up to Declan John to kind of come in and force his way into the team. But it could be a scenario where he doesn't play a huge amount of football between now and the end of the season. And Antoine Semenyo, as you say, has been a long-term target. Um, Parkinson confirmed at the Echo first week in January that he was a end of December, end of December, yeah, it was away that he was a target, and as you say, they've spent the last four or five weeks and been very patient to get him. Um, I think he can play kind of up from by himself, or what appears to be more likely is one of those two supporting roles. Um, those two signings in decent, decent bit of deadline day business, both yeah. expected and. Yeah, I mean, as far as deadline day business goes and as in terms of the players that Phil Parkinson wanted, I think you couldn't really ask for any more. Um, obviously, everyone knew that left wing-back position was a, a priority. Declan John was someone that was on the club's radar in the summer when Jack Ross was looking for players and ultimately went for, for Lawrence de Bock. But I think it was, it, you know, it was certainly needed. We saw at the start of the season when Denver Hume was the only left-back and you know it was his first season kind of in the in the first team as a regular and he was maybe struggling a little bit you know the the um, the Ipswich game and yeah. the opening game of the season he didn't have the, the best of times um, this time around fair play to him he's, he's had a fantastic January you know there's been no signs of him kind of slipping off with, with a lack of competition but that competition's going to be needed you know Sunderland have got a fair few games rearranged in the second half of the season yeah. although they're not going to be as busy as they were last year with obviously the uh, leasing.com trophy not, not in the equation they've still got a fairly hectic fixture programme before the end of the season so you're going to need that cover that competition hopefully drive Denver Hume on and I think Declan John is a player who fits the bill you know if you see what his former coach has said about him he's quick he's powerful he likes to get up and down the pitch he's got good delivery he's got good end product which is what you need in, in the system Sunderland are playing he's got experience in the championship he's played a good 20-30 games in the Premier League for Cardiff as well um, he's played obviously in the Scottish top flight with Rangers so he comes with a, a real pedigree and then Semenyo you know the kind of buzzword for the first buzzword sorry for the first fortnight of the window was pace and power yeah. um, that was what Phil Parkinson wanted and, and he's got it in Semenyo uh, obviously there were some clips as there always is with new signings doing the rounds on Twitter last night of some of his uh, skills and runs at, at, during his time at Newport and he certainly is a a really, really dynamic player and you can see why he's so highly rated by Bristol City and why the likes of Chelsea have been monitoring him. Um, Sunderland did have to wait, but as I know Phil Smith said in his video verdict on the Echo yesterday uh, afternoon, most deals outside the top six, ten of the Premier League, you're in a chain and Sunderland obviously hoped that Semenya would get done sooner. Bristol City hoped they were going to sign Eddie and Ketia from Arsenal and that fell down and that had the knock-on effect that Sunderland had to wait for Semenya. So they've they got the only them. signed Nicky Wells didn't the day before. Yeah, they only signed Nicky Wells the day before, before before deadline day. So obviously, yeah, they've had to wait for Semenyo, but he's he's in. He's what Phil Parkinson wanted. He's going to add something 
a little bit different, I think, to the forward line because, you know, for all Lyndon Gooch and Chris Maguire have been excellent the last month, they don't have that kind of pace, that raw pace um, that, that Phil Parkinson wanted and identified there was a lack of. And, you know, it's a really key asset in League One. Sometimes it gives you a little bit of a different option if, if things aren't going your way. So it'll be interesting to see if he's involved in, in any capacity against Portsmouth. I imagine it would be unlikely you would start, but stranger things have happened. So we'll, we'll watch with bated breath on that. So a couple in and a couple out. Uh, Aidan McGeady, as I say, 18 months left in his deal. It was clear that he does not have a future at Sunderland under Phil Parkinson. Um, he was told, what was it, mid-December, I think, early mid-December, that he would be available to go in January. Um, it's obviously taken a while, but... Sealing his deadline day exit to Chant Athletic under Lee Bowyer. So a decent move for him. Back up to the Championship. Um, not sure yet what contribution they're making to the wages. But as Mark says, it'll be a, a chunk at least off Sunderland's wage bill for the rest of the season. Which has allowed them to do some business in January. Um, good move for McGeady? Yeah, really good move. Um, I think more, more than anything, he's still got 18 months on his contract. It's yeah. an opportunity over the next six months for him to put himself in the shot window you know he's not got a future at Sunderland under Phil Parkinson club and player will want to move in the summer whether that's to Charlton or elsewhere but McGeady's got a great chance in the next six months to put himself in that window and and kind of show people that he's he's still got it um, I think it was a move for Sunderland that, that made sense they've been playing far better football without him yeah. he, he, he wasn't I don't think as a player you know his quality can't be questioned we saw last year he and even in the first half of this season, at times, he's got that one moment of brilliance that can, can win you a game. But in the way Phil Parkinson's playing, he's he's the wrong player in those forward players. Yeah. He slows Sunderland down. He wasn't really capable of playing that high press. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a move, I think, that makes sense for everyone. It, it's a good move. You know, it was came out of the blue a little bit because Phil Parkinson even... A couple of days before the window uh, window shut was saying that there were still no concrete offers for, yeah, yeah. for Aidan McGeady and there was you know a lot of permutations as to whether he you know he might be looking at the MLS and things like that but it's a good move for him and a good move for Sunderland obviously from as you say from a financial perspective because they'll be getting a, a hefty wage off the books and it was announced at the ungodly hour of half twelve on Friday morning um, I think the channel were keen to be seen to be working around the clock on that one uh, the deal obviously done a little earlier in the day hey ho um, Mark McNulty as well um Real shame, I think, to see him leave Sunderland. I, th- I was quite impressed with McNulty at the start of the season. Um, it's obviously not quite worked out for whatever reason. He's never really had a proper run of games. Um, can divide opinion amongst the fan base. Some some rate him, others don't. Others won't see him as a huge loss. Um, but he's headed back up to Hibs, obviously reunited with Jack Ross, who've been tracking him and keen to get him for quite a while, but with him being on loan from Reading, um, both Sunderland and Redden needed to agree for that deal to end before he could then move to Hibs on loan until the end of the season Hibs also signing Greg Doherty as well who uh, Sunderland obviously had an interest in before Scowan arrived at the Stadium of Light um, Sparky back up in Scotland then? Yeah it's a good move for him uh, as you say I think there's a little bit of disappointment I don't think Sunderland fans ever really saw the best of Mark McNulty he, he obviously had his injury problems during the first half of the season Missed a lot of football, yeah. missed um, missed kind of a key time probably when Phil Parkinson first came in. Um, didn't really have that chance to stake a claim early on in Phil Parkinson's reign because he had a, a recurring hamstring problem. And then when he returned, so did the likes of London Gooch. Um, so he, he's been a little bit unlucky in some respects, but for all he's been maybe a little bit hit and miss, a little bit obviously been in and out of the squad, he scored goals. 
he, when he was in the team in the first half of the season, he, he scored goals. Um, so I think there is tinged, uh, you know, it is tinged with a little bit of disappointment. But it was a move that certainly towards the the second half of the window seemed inevitable. Um, people on the player side were were pretty confident he, he'd played his last game for Sunderland. Um, you know, he, he wasn't particularly happy at the, the lack of opportunities he was getting. And in Hibbs and Jack Ross, he had a club that he knows, a manager that he knows, yeah, and a club manager that wanted to sign him and are prepared to give him opportunities. Um, and you can see on the face of it how he's going to fit in at Hibbs in terms of Christian Doidge and him up front. Um, and he's got a good opportunity there. You know, his his aim is to get back in the Scotland squad. Um, and there were other clubs interested in him, other clubs looking at him, but he felt Hibbs was the best place for him to to go and do that. And I'm sure Sunderland fans will wish him all the best because he was a player who gave his all when he played, scored some pretty vital goals, and yeah, just maybe Sunderland fans haven't seen the best of him. A couple of players who didn't leave the stadium alight: uh, Ethan Robson remaining at the at Sunderland until the end of the season. Obviously, there's loan interest from Grimsby, but in the end, Phil Parkinson decided to keep him at the club, uh, and he will now fight for a first team place. And there's very healthy competition now in that central midfield battle. Um, obviously, Max Power and George Dobson. George Dobson, currently first choice, but you would have thought Josh Scowan would have a really strong chance of cementing place in, in that pairing between now and the end of the season. Ethan Robson, obviously, has been impressing in training. And Grant Ledbetter, I guess, to a lesser extent, he, he probably doesn't fit effectively into that 3-4-3 system too much, but good experience and now to certainly bring on late in games if Sunderland are 1-0 up and need to kind of see out a game. Yeah, it'll be interesting what the future holds for, for Grant Ledbetter because he obviously... When you were looking at the bench and you were maybe seeing out a 1-0 win, you know, maybe today at Portsmouth would be the prime example of Sunderland a 1-0 up in the 75th, 80th minute. You want somebody to, to come on and shore things up, a calm head, and, and Grant Ledbetter always looked to be that person. But now you may be looking at it and thinking, oh, do we bring Josh Scowan on? There's options, but I think with Grant, you've got a you know, really experienced head, a really good figure in the dressing room, someone who cares about Sunderland. Someone who, whether he's in or out of the side, will take his responsibilities as club captain seriously. Um, so I think even if he's not involved, he'll, he, he will be involved, you know what I mean? There was yeah. a lot made of Glenn Leuven's role off the pitch last season. And it's a little bit different to that because obviously yeah. Ledbetter will still be in and around the squad. But that kind of experience, particularly when you're in a situation Sunderland are in and, and looking up the table, looking to get some vital wins on the board, will be key. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ethan Robson because... Obviously, Phil Parkinson mentioned this week that he'd tried them at left wing back uh, in a in a behind closed doors friendly game, and he'd scored. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether that's something Sunderland try. Um, although I'm sure Phil Parkinson won't want to take too many risks when no. every every point's vital at the moment. But you know, he's he's obviously a player that that Sunderland rate. He's out of contract in the summer. Um, I'm pretty sure any club in League Two would have would have taken him there yeah, this for window. Sure. But I mean, I've said I've said before, if you were Sunderland and you were looking to to sign a young midfielder, you'd be looking at right which players are doing well in League Two, yeah. who we think we can come on and develop. And, and Ethan Robson, were he not a Sunderland player, would have been a prime candidate. So I think he's someone that the, the club do now need to have a look at. And I think on the whole, fans are pretty pleased that he's staying yeah. and hopefully he'd be given a chance. But he's going to have a tough job because I think Max Power and George Dobson have been really good in the middle. Dobson for me has gone under the radar a little bit the last few weeks, but I think he's been been excellent. Mm. Um, Showing a little bit more tenacity to his game, um, but there's some real competition there now, which which can only be good because this time last year, because of injuries and certain circumstances, the the Sunderland team was never picking itself most weeks. But now yeah. Phil Parkinson's got some real real headaches. Elliot Embleton's another one as well. Um, still out 
with a hamstring injury after he suffered a recurrence, sadly, in, in not of the same injury, but a, a separate hamstring issue that pushed him back a couple of weeks. So probably won't see him for another two or three weeks. But hopefully when he comes back, he'll have a run in games and be able to... Um, I was going to say force him into the team, but it, it'll be difficult one because there's good options now in that kind of role where he would probably play Gooch Maguire, seven year coming in. Um, maybe we won't see too much of Elliot Embleton between now and then the season, yeah, but him and, him and Robson, I guess, would feel a little bit like a couple of new signings for Parkinson as well. Yeah, definitely. And I know Parkinson spoke about it uh, prior to Christmas about like the prospect of having bonus players, players that you maybe didn't expect to make an impact on the first team that could. Uh, Benji Kimbioka at the time was the example he used, but Embleton and Robson probably fall into that same category. If Elliot Embleton hits a run of form, if yeah. his injuries and he gets a chance and he manages to, to hit a good run of form, then he could be a really effective player for Sunderland. Um, he was excellent in pre-season. He was one of the better players in pre-season. Playing in a fairly similar shape to what Sunderland are playing now. Yeah. Um, and you can see how he would fit into those two roles behind the striker. But yeah, as you mentioned, he's, he's got a really tough job uh, to get ahead of Gooch, Maguire, Semenyo, Watmore. There's plenty of options there. But if Sunderland need something a little bit different, maybe Elliot Embleton could be that man. And um, Will Grigg as well stays at Sunderland. Um, there was reported late loan interest from Oxford. Carl Robinson had obviously said the day, day before on Thursday that he was keen to buy Will Grigg. Um, that obviously didn't happen, although Oxford did have a, some uh, fresh funds in the coffer after selling a couple of their uh, best players to uh, Brentford on deadline day. Um, made a, As I say, reports that they made a late loan bid for Oxford. Didn't get off the ground. Sunderland didn't... Uh, in any way, wanted to uh, accept that, and Will Grigg remains a Sunderland player. So now you've got st- really strong options, would you say, up front? Maybe not a huge amount of goals, though. Will Grigg, Kyle Lafferty, Charlie Wyke, uh, and then behind them, Gooch, Semenyo, Maguire, what more? Yeah, I think I think they've got really good options. The thing with Will Grigg is, I know obviously his, his goal-scoring record since he came to Sunderland hasn't been what's been expected, but he is a goal-scorer. He's a, he's a good footballer, and I think that was... A large part of Sunderland's thinking when there was this interest reportedly from, from the likes of Oxford, Blackpool, was that Phil Parkinson would have been acutely aware that he if he hit form while unknown at one of these clubs, which we know he's capable of in League yeah. One, it would have been bad for Sunderland. It would have ha- hampered their playoff hopes. There's a good player in there. And I know there was some fans maybe slightly disappointed that he didn't leave on deadline day. But you, you've, got to, you've got to hope that he will recapture that form. And Phil Parkinson touched on it earlier in the the week that this system probably will benefit Will Grigg more than what Sunderland were playing in the past. We, re- we haven't really seen Will Grigg in this 3-4-3 system much. When they were playing the kind of more 4-5-1, 4-3-3, he was left a little bit isolated, he was feeding off scraps, but now when you've got those kind of two behind him, supporting yeah. him a little bit more, it looks like it would be a system that actually would, would work for Will Grigg. Yeah. Again, he's got a job because Charlie White, for all his goal return, hasn't been great, has been playing well. Um, Kyle Lafferty's obviously now thrown in the equation as well. But you've got some good options there. As you say, maybe you've not got an out-and-out 25-30 goal a season striker. Yeah. But I think that's the, the kind of the, one of the benefits of this system is that Sunderland are not reliant on that number one nine play. to score the yeah. goals. Everyone's chipping in and you know we're seeing goals come from all over. And, and that's pleasing. I know obviously every club wants a 25-30 goal a season striker, but the reality is in League One, yeah. there's maybe two or three of them. And they command a big fee. And they command big wages. Ironically, one of those two or three probably you would consider to be Will Grigg. Will Grigg, yeah. Um, so hopefully, Sunderland can get the best out of him. As you know, I know we touched upon 
in discussions yesterday, his character uh, off the pitch has, has never been kind of in doubt. He's never been um, one to try and force a move. He's happy to stay at Sunderland. His conduct off the pitch has been exemplary. Yeah. Anyone you speak to about Will Grigg, who's worked with him at any point in his career, says he's a very, very laid-back person. And whether he's scored five goals or had an absolute stinker, he comes off the pitch the same. He's a very kind of horizontal character. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. And I know how that can translate to supporters as maybe a kind of lack of desire, but that's just Will Grigg as a person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he is a goal scorer. So hopefully, hopefully Sunderland can unlock that in the second half of the season. And uh, yeah, all eyes now on promotion. Um, aside from, I guess, potentially the possibility of a free agent coming in, although that certainly isn't on the radar at the minute. And Sunderland, you would have to say, are fairly well equipped now across all areas of the of the team uh, in defence, midfield, and attack. So I would suggest that would be extremely likely. Um, so the squad is now pretty much as it's going to be for the rest of the season. Um, and the League One promotion race, as I say, we're recording this ahead of the Portsmouth game. So fingers crossed for another win for Sunderland on the road today, or at least a point. You'd probably say a point at this stage as well. Um, but the promotion push is intense, isn't it? And there's a huge amount of clubs all battling for it. And I think there's only currently nine points or so from from top to down to 10th, 11th place in the league. And it just shows how far Sunderland had fallen, that even on their excellent nine-game unbeaten run and four straight uh, clean sheets and victories and all that, that they're still only fifth, sixth in the table. Yeah, uh, it's really, really tight up there. And you're seeing some kind of strange results. I mean, a few weeks ago, it looked like Oxford were going to be the ones to yeah. to kind of surge up the table. And now they've dropped off a little bit. Um, the only kind of team showed any real consistency at the moment is uh, Rotherham, yeah. who are playing really well. And that could be uh, a really interesting last game of the season, Sunderland-Rotherham. Um, but I think today is going to be a big barometer for Sunderland as to where they're at. Because for all they have played Wickham's, Fleetwood's, Blackballs, who were up there in the recent in recent weeks, you still would have expected someone to, to get someone out of those games. Portsmouth's yeah. league position maybe is a little bit false in the sense that they had a, a really poor start to the season. Yeah. But they've got a very, very good squad. They've got yeah. goal scorers. They've got a good bat line. It's going to be a real test for Sunderland. But they've looked, you know, they've looked really, really good at the back in recent yeah. weeks. You know, with Tranmere even in difficult circumstances when they were being peppered late on I can't really recall a save John McLaughlin had to make um, and they're looking going forward they're finding ways to score goals it's, it's not necessarily pretty Tramia certainly wasn't it was a set piece but it was the kind of game you felt needed a set piece to score and suddenly they're doing that they're doing what they need to do to win and that's what promotion winning teams do and yeah everyone wants to play nice football but if Sunderland go up winning 1-0 scoring from a corner every week then yeah. fans are going to complain too much but today, uh, Pompey at Fratton Park is going to be the big test. Um, if they get through this one, I, I'd say things are looking pretty good for them. But you know, you've still got three, four months to go. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time, Mark. Uh, head to the Sunderland Echo website for all the latest news, analysis, and opinion. And we'll be back later in the week. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.